The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is our prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. Praise the name of the Lord. Okay, so today is the, um, we're going to be looking at the concluding part of our series, Silver and Gold. And today is part seven of this series, Silver and Gold. If you are a part of this series, or if you missed any part of the series, please get the, the CDs um, at the back. And you need to open your heart and get the realignment that is required. You can get the messages online, obviously, for free also. And download them for free online. Um, and, and your life will, will change because of the potency of the Word of God. So, w- w- I'm, I'm going like, to tie, tie it up together by the grace of God this morning. And let's just um, be excited because, like I said, it's, it's more like an announcement of what is going to burst forth in our lives. One key thing that is consistent throughout this, this teaching is this. And is the fact that God, the maker of the heavens and the earth, wants you to prosper. God wants you to what? God wants you to prosper. God doesn't have any iota of poverty in him. He just doesn't exist. It just doesn't exist. God created man to have dominion. God said when he created man, be fruitful, multiply, and what? And have dominion. In Proverbs 22, 7, the word of God tells us clearly that (laughs) the rich rule over the poor so the borrower is the servant to the lender. The rich rule over the poor. The borrower is a servant to the lender. So poverty puts you in a position that you were not created for. Poverty puts you under. When God has said you will be above only and never will you be beneath. So you need to shred. I know there's been a lot of abuse on, on when it comes to finances and <laughs> prosperity. Some people are just amazing. I've seen um, some, some videos that I'm like, is this a church? But see, the truth of the word of God remains. The truth of the word of God remains. God wants you to prosper. You must get to a point when where no one can talk you out of it. No one can, can, can convince you otherwise. No one can tell you that um, maybe God just wants you to, to suffer a little bit or to be in poverty, rather, so that um, um, you can be holy. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. If that's, there's nowhere in scriptures that correlate poverty with holiness. Nowhere in scriptures. Does God take us through seasons of dealings? Yes, he does. Does he teach us and allows us to go through the wilderness sometimes. Yes, it does. But even in the wilderness, it provides manna. 
That's the God we serve. But the flip side is to think er um, erroneously that wealth is synonymous to, to holiness. That, that riches is the same as righteousness. Don't believe the lie. Wealth is not a sign of right standing or holiness. It is not. Wealth is not a sign of right standing or holiness. It is not. So while wealth is not a sign of right standing, so it means that the fact that business is going well is not, is not an approval of heaven, that everything is fine with my life. It's possible that things are going well, but God still wants to set some character flaws straight in my life and in your life. So while God will prosper you, say amen, amen. and he desires for you to prosper, your relationship with God is not, the, the, the wealth is not a barometer or, or, or the thermometer, rather, whatever, measure, measure it to, of your relationship with God. So what is it to prosper? Again, we are tying it all up so that we have a clear understanding of this subject. So what is it to, to prosper, really? Basically, it, 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 prosperity or wealth is simply another word for well-being. So to prosper simply means you are doing well, not just financially. Yes, financially, but in your health, in your relationship, intellectually. It talks about spiritual well-being. So, the word wealth and to prosper is pretty much all-encompassing. It's all-encompassing. It's all-encompassing. The Word of God says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 11, that is, regardless of where I am, you sh I, sh I have learned, this is Paul speaking, I have learned to be content. So, my well-being is not based on how much I have or how much I do not have. He says, not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned, there was a land, I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. If you are only content, your well-being is only intact when you have abundance, something is wrong with that. If your well-being is only intact when you are in lack, something is wrong with that. You know, so he's saying, I have learned in whatever situation I'm in to be content. Verse 12, I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound, and in every situation and circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So, when we quote that scripture, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, this is the context actually. It means I can, I am in good state regardless of my financial state. I am 
my well-being is intact regardless of my financial position. I am not angry, shouting at my wife, causing trouble at home because my bank account is low. My well-being is intact by the grace of God, in spite. So, so if, you, if you check scriptures, in Matthew 19, Jesus was speaking to um, some rich guy, and, and, and he said to him, oh, you know, um, and the guy says, oh, I, I've done, obeyed all the commandments, and Jesus says, go and sell everything you have, and follow me, and um, the guy said, uh, oh God, that is a hard one, and, and, and he turned and left, and Jesus said, oh, how is it that it is so difficult for the rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. It's like a camel entering the, the eye of the, of the needle. And, and Peter, you know, was, was confused and was like, oh God, what are you saying? We have given up everything to follow you. What will we get? Is, all, is this all for nothing? Or are you just saying that uh, at, at by and by we get something? And Jesus replied, I assured you, I assure you rather, that when the world is made new and the Son of Man sits on the throne, you who have be my followers, will also sit at, on 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel and everyone who has given up houses, brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or property for my name will receive a hundred times as much in return and will inherit eternal life. Now, in return means it will receive a hundred times in return here on earth. Because we don't need silver and gold in heaven. That's not the currency of heaven. In fact, it's the um, cobblestones of heaven. The floor we work on, we will be working on. So, so Jesus is saying, your reward is not just in heaven. You will, Peter, relax. You will prosper here on earth. In Proverbs 11, 31, the word of God says that if the righteous is repaid on earth, how much more the wicked and the sinner. Do you understand? So God is saying that, you know, many times we think it's only in heaven. Yes, the ultimate reward will be in heaven. But God is saying the righteous will be repaid where? On earth. You know, my mom is a um, teacher. And one of the things they said about teachers is that the teacher's reward is where? <laughs> it's in heaven. <laughs> you know? The teacher's reward is in heaven. And that's why so many people don't want to be teachers because we don't want to wait till heaven, you know, <laughs> to get our reward. And it's just because we've, we've read this thing upside down, really. That's not what Jesus is saying. That's not what God is saying. In First Timothy 6, 17, 1 Timothy 6, 17, the, 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 the word of God says that teach the rich in this world not to be proud, not to trust in their money, which is unreliable. Their trust should be in God who richly gives us all we need for our what? Enjoyment. That is the God will serve. That is the God we serve. That's the God we serve. So as we tie up this whole series, we should understand that God has given us what he has given us to enjoy, to enjoy life. 
this is what God wants me to enjoy life. Yes, he does. You see, it depended on when you got saved. I had to struggle with the fact that God actually wants me to enjoy because every time I'm, I'm enjoying, I feel bad. I feel, I feel I'm doing something that is you know, not just right. You know, it's, this cannot be holiness. You know? <laughs> you know, how can you be enjoying ice cream like this for me? This is not righteousness. You know, <laughs> I'm telling you, I feel bad. I used to feel bad rather. You know, I used to feel bad at enjoying life, just basic life. I used to feel bad. I used to feel bad. I, I can't even tell you how much I had to struggle out of this mindset and actually embrace that God actually wants me to enjoy on this earth. On this earth. However, you see, when you look at scriptures, in scripture, enduring prosperity is always tied to faithful obedience. Enduring prosperity is always, always, always tied to faithful obedience. Always, always tied to obedience. Deuteronomy 11. Deuteronomy 11. Verse 18. The word of God says to us that, so commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these words of mine. How should we commit to the word of God? Wholeheartedly, with all our hearts. Completely. It says, tie them on your hands. Wear them on your foreheads as reminders. You don't know what's our face caps with the word of God on them. That's what the Bible is saying. Teach them to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you are on the road. When you are going to bed and when you are getting up. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Why? So that as long as the sky remains above the earth, you and your children may flourish. That is what, that's God's heart. And but it's tied to obedience. He says to us, these words of mine, commit to them wholeheartedly. Commit to this word wholeheartedly. Don't commit to the word of God half-heartedly. Commit to the word of God wholeheartedly. Put reminders on your phone. Put it as your screensaver. If they were writing the Bible today, that's what they would say. Make it your wallpaper. Make the word of God your profile picture. That's what they would say. Put it on your Twitter account. Put it on Instagram. Put it on Foursquare. Put it everywhere. Teach your children. Because God is generational. When you come into your house, make sure they are reminders of the word of God. Everywhere. 
You're lying down. Put it on your, on your ceiling. Make it your screensaver. Why? Why? So that as long as the sky remains above, you and your children may, may flourish. So we see that through the word of God, you and I will, ex will extend our lives. Through the word of God, you will increase your physical health. You will experience emotional stability. You will build strong families. You will manifest wisdom. You will have wealth through the word of God. So when you are fully committed to God's word, your heart will be trusting on the character of God. Because you cannot separate a man from his words. You cannot separate a man from his words. Because the man is his word. If your neighbor wakes up and, 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 and brings a megaphone and says, Oh, my neighbors, everybody wake up, wake up, wake up. And you're like, what has this guy been drinking? And he says, I hereby declare tomorrow as a public holiday. Now, I mean, if you walk in, I mean, would you go to work the following day? You will? Why? Your neighbor just declared it a public holiday. Why would, you, why would you go to work? But if the president of the country says, oh, because of ABC, you know, we are having tomorrow as a public holiday, nationwide, it goes on national TV, would you go to work? You shouldn't, except you're a workaholic. <laughs> now, what's the difference? They said the same thing. What's the difference? The person that said it. Because the man is his word. If his word is no good, the man is no good. If God's word is reliable, what are you saying? God is reliable. So if you, if you can trust God's word, you can trust God. If you can't trust God's word, you, you can't trust God. If God's word says A, and you are, you are struggling to trust it, the person you are struggling to trust is actually God. Because God's word says, this is where it stands. Jeremiah 17. Jeremiah 17 says to us, verse 7 to 8, it says, blessed is the man, blessed are those who trust in the Lord, who have the, the Lord who has made, rather, the Lord, who have made the Lord their hope and confidence. What will happen to them? They are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. So such trees are not bothered, whether there is recession or not, by the heat or worried 
for long months of drought since their leaves stay green. They never stop producing fruit. So that's what we see. If you can hinge your trust on God, hinge your trust on the word of God, make God your confidence. He says, the, the, the word of God like kings you to trees planted by the riverbank and the roots have, have, have done what? They've run deep. Run deep meaning they, they're not relying on surface water. They are relying on different other sources of water. So whether it rains or not, they are not bothered. And that is where God wants you to be. That's where God wants me to be. Deuteronomy 11, the same Deuteronomy 11, I don't get to verse 22. It says, be careful to obey all these things. Prosperity, enduring prosperity is always tied to obedience. Always tied to obedience in scriptures. You know, the, the, the love of God is unconditional, obviously. But the promises of God are, if you do this, you will get this. Be careful to obey the commands I'm giving you. Show love to the Lord. How do you show love to the Lord your God? By walking in his ways. Not just by shedding tears in worship. By walking in his ways. And of course you have to lay hold on him. And by what? Holding tightly. Tightly to him. It says, then the Lord will drive out all the nations ahead of you. Though they are much greater and stronger than you. <laughs> and you will take over their land. Say amen. amen. Who will do the driving away? God. Wherever you set foot, that land will be yours. Wherever you set foot. I mean, this is the word of God. God says, make it priority. Put your confidence in it. And the understanding of having a covenant with God is, is indispensable. Totally, totally indispensable. So, understanding and working in God's covenant as Christians is totally, totally indispensable. Totally indispensable. God's covenant is, brings you into an atmosphere Bring you, brings you into a relationship with God that you are, you know, you, you have responsibilities. He has responsibilities. You do your responsibilities. You can go to bed. He will do his own responsibilities. Because God is not a debtor of any man. You know, one of the greatest lies in our time, you know, particularly those of us in this part of the world, you know, Africans, you know, it's, it's, it's a lie, it's a big lie that um, Christianity is Onyibo man's religion. Have you heard that before? Oh, they, 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 they had Bible on one hand and they had a gun on the other hand, which was true for the, for the Western guys, you know, for the slavery thing. 
But you see, Christianity really has no source, no origin in Yubo man's land. Christianity is rooted in the Middle East. The, the source of Christianity is Israel. Israel is not a white man's country. The person that wrote the Torah is a Jew. His name is Moses. The prophet are Jews. The people that wrote, you know, in the Old Testament, you have, you have um, um, the law, and the, the prophets, and, and the poet, um, poetic books. The people that wrote the poetic books, they are Jews. David, Solomon, Jeremiah. Job, they, they preceded, of, of course, that timeline, maybe. But largely, the Bible, the whole of New Testament, were written by Jews. The only one in question is Luke, the physician that wrote Luke and Acts. However, we know who discipled Luke. His name is Jesus. He's a Jew. Praise the name of the Lord. The whole Bible is a direct influence of Jews. Now, because God's heart is to reach the whole world through one man, Abraham. The initial plan was through Adam. Adam fell. God had that big, bright idea to come through Abraham, and he did. And when we examine the scriptures, the Torah particularly, the Torah is just the first five books of the Bible, you know, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, right? One essential key becomes visible. Understanding the message, the meaning, the manifestations of having a covenant with God jumps out at you. That's from um, the Secrets of the Jews from Arisma um, magazine. That's a quote from, from that article, actually. When you look at the scriptures, when you look at the Torah, what jumps out at you is, is understanding the meaning and the manifestation of having a covenant with God. If you are a Christian, you don't understand what it means to have a covenant with God, you are doing yourself a disservice. If you're a Christian and you don't know what it means to walk in a covenant relationship with God, covenant relationship with God, you are doing yourself a disservice. And where does this covenant stem from? Where does it stem from? We are going to see. But the key thing is this. Understanding the message, the meaning, and manifestations of having a covenant with God is the key to success as a Christian. It's the key to success. So, so the question is, which covenant? There are a couple of covenants in, in scriptures. I don't want to talk about all of them. But two are usually um, in, in, in conflict of understanding. We, when, when, like in Hebrews 8, if you read Hebrews 8, 
where Jesus, where the word of God says that he, he made the old obsolete so that the new can come. So which is the old covenant that was obsolete? Now you need to get this. I've been saying this from part one of the series. This is part seven. But I will keep saying it because every teacher knows the power of repetition. So which is the old and which is the new? Galatians 3. If you read Galatians 3 from the MSG translation 23 to 24, it says, until the time when we were mature enough to respond freely in faith to the living God. Now, before then, the nation of Israel, and by extension, you know, because it came to those of us that were outside of the commonwealth of Israel, we, they said no to God on Sinai. We explained that. They said to Moses, you go and hear from God and come and tell us. You go hear from God and come and tell us. So, they didn't have, they didn't respond freely to the living God. We were carefully surrounded and protected by what? Everybody say it, by, by the Mosaic law. So, God says, fine. So, God puts the law in place, the Mosaic law in place, that, so that you have, they have boundaries, they understand the protocols of heaven and, and how God wants things done on earth in a legalistic way. The law was like those Greek tutors. Now, this is what the Greek tutors used to do. With which you were familiar. They are familiar, you are not. But I'm, I'm going to explain what they do. I've heard the scriptures explain what they do. What do the Greek tutors do? They escort children to school and protect them from the danger of this, or distraction. Making sure the children will really get to the place they set out for. So teachers don't only wait in classes in this culture. The teachers actually go home and pick the students and escort them to school so that they don't stop by the roadside playing football or plucking fruits, you know, as we call it. You know the word they call fruits, the word. If you've never plucked fruit before, God will forgive your sins. <laughs> It's for the righteous few that <laughs> fruit. So that is what the Greek tutors used to do. From verse 25, 27 says, But now, everybody say, But now, you have arrived at your destination. Which is your destination? By faith in Christ, you are in a direct relationship with God. What they turned their back on on Mount Sinai. Through Christ, we have come to a direct relationship with God through Jesus. Since the baptism in Christ was not just, now listen to this, was not just washing up for a fresh start, which is the problem with a lot of Christians, because all we experience is the fresh start. Things, all things are gone away. All things have become new. Yes. Then, then why are you still on earth? Why didn't God kill you and take you to heaven? Paul says to us, it also involves dressing you up 
in an adult faith robe. So it's not just having a shower, having your, your sins cleansed. It's also getting dressed for the party. It's also leaving the covenant out on earth. That's what it's saying. It says, Christ's life, the fulfillment of God's original promise. Christ's life is what? The fulfillment of what? God's original promise. Christ's life is the fulfillment of God's original promise. So, this is what we're talking about, basically. For those of us that are visual, this is what we're talking about. We have from here the Adamic line. So, this is Adam. That's the Adamic line. Adam fell. God still had his plan to redeem mankind through a man. Raise a community, a country of people that will bear his name through whom the Messiah will come. So God, at this point, called a man called Abraham from all of the Chaldeans and said to him, leave your father's house. Come to a place I will show you. I will make you a great nation. Through you, all the families of earth will be blessed. And Abraham, as we would, we would call him, responded to God and they had a covenant. It's called the Abrahamic covenant. So Abraham followed God, had Isaac of course, and Ishmael, we are not talking about Ishmael today. Isaac had Israel, Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons. Through those 12 sons, a nation was birthed. And that nation, God said they would spend 400 years in Egypt. And after which he will take them out into their own land. He did that. But on the way to their own land, God was excited. Now I have a people that have a relationship with me. But guess what the people said to God? They said to God on Mount Sinai, we don't want to deal with you directly. Talk to Moses and let him talk to us. So on Mount Sinai, the Mosaic Covenant came into being. So it, it, it was a branching out pretty much rooted in the Abrahamic Covenant. But with more specific details. Abraham walked with God by faith. He knew what to do. He had the spirit of God. He had the spirit of promise. He knew what to do. He knew how to relate with God. This guy says, um, relating with you, you know, we've seen you get angry. Before, you know, <laughs> you can uh, wipe out the whole, don't, don't, don't talk to us. So just talk to this guy. I let, him, <laughs> I let him talk to us. And God said, fine. So we had the Mosaic Covenant. And that's what the scripture was saying in Galatians 3. But when Jesus came, the Mosaic Law and the Mosaic Covenant was cancelled out. Guess what? 
the Abrahamic covenant continued. In fact, Jesus' death brings us that were supposed to be Gentiles into the commonwealth. Everybody say commonwealth. Commonwealth of Israel. So which means what they have, we have. Their God became our God. His provision became our provision. His protection became our protection. His word became our word. So when we are saying, you need to understand your covenant with God, it, it all stems from the Abrahamic covenant. And you see, if you look at the Abrahamic covenant, what it says, The Abrahamic covenant that relates to you and I, or that you and I have been brought into, rather, is, is tripartite. There are three sides to the Abrahamic covenant. The Abrahamic covenant involves seed. Be fruitful. Your seed will possess the earth. It includes land. Everywhere the sole of your feet shall tread upon, boom. I will give it to you. And it includes the blessing. And it is that blessing of the Lord that makes rich and adds no sorrow to it. On one hand, it is the blessing of the Lord on the other hand that is the promise of the Spirit, of the Holy Spirit that we are to receive when we come to Jesus. Praise the name of the Lord. Are we still together? So, basically, also a quote from um, the Charisma magazine in the Secret of the Jews. says, the Abrahamic covenant is the spring that feeds the river. The beam that supports the building, or simply put, is the secret of the Jews. The Abrahamic covenant is the secret of the Jews. It's what separates the, the Jews, those of us that are Jews, both physical Jews and spiritual Jews, from the rest of the world. It's the Abrahamic covenant. It's what separates us from the world. And if you look at the nation of Israel, it's a nation that is unsuppressible. You cannot suppress them. A few facts about Israel, for instance. There's no nation of the world that have been without existence for that long. Next, and still comes into being and remains powerful. So they were without a nation for 1,939 years. Yet today, one of the strongest nations in the world. What, what can make that happen? What is the secret? What's the secret? The Abrahamic covenant. The next fact 
They make up less than 1% of the world's population. Less than 1%. Yet, next, six Jewish companies owns 96% of world media. What's the secret? They are less than 1% of the whole world population. Yet, next, they produced 176 Nobel Prize winners. 176. Next. Even though they are less than 1%, 25% of organizations that have received the Nobel Prize, Peace Prize were founded or co-founded by Jews. Next fact. This is just verifiable facts in the public domain. The population of Lagos alone, just Lagos, Lagos, Nigeria, is about three times that of the nation of Israel. This guy is just about 8 million people. Yet, Israel has the third highest rate of entrepreneurship in the world. Everything they lay their hands upon. The, 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 the problem is not oil. The solution... Listen, the solution out of Nigeria's challenge is going to be you and I. It's not going to be a resource that is hidden in the ground. It's going to be a resource that is written here in your head and in your heart. Next fact. In proportion to its population, Israel has the largest number of startup companies in the whole world. In fact, on NASDAQ, it is only the U.S. And, and Canada that has more listed companies than Israel, obviously because of their share size. And in absolute terms, Israel has the largest number of startup companies than any other company, country in the world except the U.S. Except the U.S. May I say, except the greatest supporter of Israel in the world, up until recent times, that is. So what does that tell you? Seek the peace of... And it will be... Uh, the word of God is real and alive. Next fact. Israel produces more scientific paper per capita than any other nation by a large margin public domain information I'm giving you. As well as one of the highest per capita rates of patent filed. They just create, their mind is fruitful. Their mind is productive. They are inventing things. They are creating things. They are, I can't begin to tell you the, 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 the amount of creativity that comes out of Israel. In defense, in software, most of what we know as Microsoft Windows was written in Microsoft Israel. The, the core of it. And a whole, a whole, a whole lot of, of this. Next fact. Now, all this above are happening 
while, while Israel is engaged in regular, consistent war with implacable enemies that seeks its destruction around it. All this, they have been bombarded by bombs. They have been attacked consistently. They have been, they are hated round about them. Isn't it what the Bible says? Rule in the midst of your enemies. So the presence of your of enemies is no excuse for you not to prosper. It's, it's no excuse. Say, ah, Pastor, ah, our village. Ah. Oh, jig, 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 the witch, they fly on one leg like this. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, they will crash. <laughs> because in spite of all the attacks, the more they attack them, the stronger. The nation that is at very... <laughs> oh, I, I can't say some things for political reasons. There are some nations in the world that in the map of, their, of the world that they have, the curriculum they are teaching their children, there's no nation called Israel on the map. They removed it. Mm-hmm. And they are around about them. I didn't mention any country. In Galatians 3, the, the word of God says to us in Galatians 3, in the MSS translation, the same Galatians 3, verse 28 20, um, to 29, that in Christ's family, there can be no division into Jew or Gentiles or non Jews. It says there can be no division into slave or free, into Oga and, and, and Amoshe. In the church of God, there can be no division between male and female. So, oh, she's, a, she's a woman. She's, she's, she's under me. No. No. Amongst us, you are all equal. That is, we are all in a common relationship with Christ. We have a common wealth in Christ. Also, since you are Christ's family, then what? You are Abraham's famous descendants. Yes, according to the covenant of promise. So, why can't, why will you not be innovative? There's no way, there's no reason. In fact, beginning from now, innovation bursts forth in your life in the mighty name of Jesus. Why would you not reign in the midst of your enemies? It's knowledge. My people are destroyed because they don't know. They lack knowledge. You will thrive in the midst of your enemies. That's, that's, that's the power of knowledge. We are, we are heirs. That is in the New Testament. That is what Jesus came to do for you and I. Christians are living only washed up. They've had a bath. 
for they are going about naked. But covenant ensures you are dressed up and ready for the party. Praise the name of the Lord. So awesome. Let's give the Lord it. I'm so fired up. Fact, I can I can go on like this. I need to look at the time. I just regulate myself. I regulate myself. I regulate myself. Ah. The NLT translation of, of, of verse 29 of, of Galatians 3 uh, says to us that, and now that you belong to Christ, you are true children. Not uh, you are true. There has been a transfusion of blood. If they check your DNA and they match you a paternity test with Abraham, you will say positive. Really? <laughs> you are his heirs. And God's promise to Abraham belongs to who? To me. The NCV translation. So, why will I discover truths like this? Again, like I said, I mean, I've wrestled for this for a long time. I, I look at it in all the translations. I bring out Greek just to be sure. Is this true? You know when you find something, it's like, is, can this be real? The NCV says, you belong to Christ. So, you are Abraham's descendant. You will inherit all of God's blessings. Because of the promise God made to who? To Abraham. So, and here, a here is a person that legally is entitled to the wealth of another on that person's debt. So what the death of Abraham did for the Jews was to activate the covenant and release it to them. Please bring up that scripture again in Galatians 3. Please, thank you. The NCB, yeah. But what the death of Jesus did for us is to activate that promise and release us into it. That's what the death of Jesus did for us. So that we will inherit all of God's blessings because of the promise God made to who? To Abraham. So, what that means is this. Putting them together. Christ makes you and I legally entitled to the covenant promises of Abraham. Makes us legally entitled. Legally entitled to the covenant promises of Abraham. So, we have explained that is all nature stuff. Nature stuff. You know, remember, we said that for you to be the best that God has created you to be, two things must be, must be in, in, in consonance. You, the, na the nature and the, and the nurture. And we, we said that nature is the things that you are born with. Heredity and, and, and invulnerability. Nurture is the environment around you. Environment around you. The nurture. So we explained that this is where we want to be. The intersection. The intersection. So the fact that you are heirs means that you have the nature. But 
You need to be aligned and have the environment so that the nurture can be in place. And if you check scriptures, in Genesis 1, bring up scripture references, Genesis 1, 11, 20, 24, 26. 111, when God wanted to create the, the plant, God created earth first and God spoke to the earth. And this is so, so important. And the earth brings up the plant. When God wanted to create the fish, God created the waters and God spoke to the water. So God created the nurture, the environment first. And God, before God spoke the nature out. Are you getting it? Okay, when God wanted to create animals, same thing. He spoke to the earth. Let it bring forth abundance of animals. So the nature, the environment, and God speaks forth. The nurture, sorry. God speaks forth the, the nature of what he wants. But guess what? When, when God wanted to create you and I, verse 26, the environment was not water, was not earth. God spoke to himself. Let us make man in our image. So, 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 the same way, the same way, the plant cannot do without the earth, the fish cannot do without water, man cannot do without the presence of God. When, and you need to get this, you know, because why do you pray in the morning? Why do you wake up? You are singing, you are worshiping. Because I can't do without Jesus. I can't function. You see, but people are living without God. That's why they are malfunctioning. And that, and that is the truth. I mean, I'm, I know I'm going through a lot of truth now. I mean, stuff. I know. But just stay with me. The same way fish cannot survive outside of water, man cannot survive outside of God's, of God's presence. He dies. He dies. And that is what God creates. When he says we should seek his kingdom. Why? Because his kingdom creates an environment. And in that environment, we thrive. We thrive in that environment. In Luke 11 verse 2, when, when the disciples of Jesus came to Jesus, they said, teach us to pray as, as John taught his disciples. Jesus said to them, when you pray, say, let all my enemies fall down and die. Is that what Jesus said? He says, when you pray, say, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Worship him, adore him, and invite his presence, invite his kingdom, invite his rule, invite his dominion. That is when you can be the best that God has called you to be. Praise the name of the Lord. So we see that fish cannot do without water. Plants cannot do without being rooted to the ground. Did you just read that? Man cannot do without the presence of God. And bringing it all together, you see that it is, it is the nature of God, the nature of God which is released through a covenant with God, through the Abrahamic covenant, through Christ Jesus. 
that determines our nature. It is the presence of God, the kingdom of God, the environment in which that nature is planted that determines our nurture and determines what grows in us or what dies in us. So as we bring this teaching to a close, I know that it's a lot to take in. It's like drinking water from, from a fire and hydrant. It's like when they're just pouring a whole tank on you, I'm just trying to. That's how it feels to me. <laughs> it's a lot. Many of us, we need to go back and regurgitate on, on this thing and own the word of God. Yet, some, not you, we just leave this place and walk as if not, walk away as if nothing happened. I was just, oh yeah, it was cool. It was cool. What, spoke, what, what did you talk about? Uh, something about Abraham. Let's burn our hearts. Let's burn our heads. That will not be your story. Your life will be changed and transformed. You become all that God has created you to become. Silver and gold will be like ordinary stones in your life because of the presence of God that will fill your life. In the mighty name of Jesus. I want to pray with you if you are here today, you know. The same way fish cannot function without water. The same way the plant cannot function without being rooted, planted to the ground. The same way, my brother, my sister, you cannot function without the presence of God. And like, Pastor, pray with me. I need God's presence in my life. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to get born again today. Or I used to be born again. I strayed from the presence of God. I want to come back today. Should I come forward? No, you don't need to come forward. Wherever you are seated, I want to pray with you. You don't need to come forward. I want to pray with you wherever you are seated. Pastor, that is me. Pray with me. Put up your hand now over your head. Quickly, I will pray together. God bless you. Put up your hand. Put up your hand. Well, shoot it up. Shoot it up. Not on your head. Over your head. Slip up that hand. I will pray together. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you, sir. God bless you, my, my brother. God bless you. God bless you, my brother. Keep your hands up. Once you have the can, can put on your hand. Can it be God bless you, sir? God bless you. Another hand over there. Another hand over there. My, my brother, my sister, God bless you. My brother, God bless you. Keep your hands up. You get the card. That is me. I've, I've walked away from his presence. Can I come back, Pastor? Do you want to pray with me? Yes, I want to pray with you. Right now. Put up that hand over your head. I will pray together. If you are online, the instructions are scrolling. Oh, Father, we thank you. Lord, we give you praise and glory, Lord. We give you praise and glory, Lord. We pray for everyone that is surrendering to you today, my Father. We ask that you bring everyone to change these lives. Let your name be glorified. Father, we pray for every one of us that have heard this word, that your word will truly, truly transform us. And your name, and your name alone will be glorified. Honor and glory we give unto you. Honor and glory we give unto you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, we are praying.